there is an inexorable force in the cosmos where time and space converge. A place beyond man's vision, but not his reach. It is the most mysterious and awesome point in the universe. Where the here and now may be forever. And my ship, you ask? It is unavoidable. Moving through space, swallowing everything in its path. Radio waves, light. Are you programmed to speak? Even planets and stars. Now. Gravity's at maximum, Dan. Oh my God, I think it's got us. Man is about to enter. Everything ends. We're back again for another two weeks. It's been two weeks. We just keep. Our, our, you know, it's just my wife's gonna th- start thinking there's something up with us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's because I haven't told her about the podcast. <laughs> why is he always sleeping over? Or why are you going to your parents' house to stay over? Or why are you sleeping <coughs> over his parents' house? Uh, Jay Blake, good to have you. Uh, I'm always happy to be here. Uh, I'm Dion Baya. We're uh, back for another edition of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Um, that was fun last uh, go around. We did the trial, The Incredible Hulk. Real, real, real sad. I had to go home and cry in the shower. Yeah, well, that was two weeks. That was two shows ago. Two shows ago by now. Yeah, Jesus. I'm, I'm how, getting f- how quickly they. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, <laughs> Hard Target was in there too. Another that was um, another Wilford Brimley extravaganza. Well, Wilford Brimley. Well, that's what we're on here today. That was the big tease. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have another Wilford Brimley movie today, and it's I don't know if it's. How it's regarded in his scale. We're, if, if anyone's ever put a top ten, <laughs> Wilford Brimley list up. I don't know where this like, would fall. It would be like Wilford Brimley ten in the order. Like he did it. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it'd be. But we're doing this week. We're doing 1985's uh, Remo Williams. The adventure begins. Big anniversary this year. It is the anniversary of it this year as well. and uh, Or it's also called Remo Armed and Dangerous. I think that was like the European title. Okay. Cause it or comes not up armed. Unarmed and Dangerous. Unarmed and Dangerous. It comes up on the uh, IMDb is that. And then the subtitle is ours, The Adventure Begins, which I've always known it as. Yeah, yeah. Remo Williams, The Adventure Always thought a very ballsy title. Yeah. Yeah. It's really <laughs> just throwing it out there like, you know, it's what like, our, This uh, is the first one in a series of awesome <laughs> movies. It's funny because uh, I've written a couple scripts and then that's the feedback I've gotten for one of them. Like, you know, you really shouldn't plan in advance to, 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 to let people know there's going to be a series. I'm like, well, why not? Well, they tried it here. <laughs> because, of, because of Remo Williams, the adventure begins. <laughs> he, he, he stopped the whole thing. Um, 1985, uh, our man Fred Ward. Hell of a year. Hell of a year. Got a lot going on that year. It's kind of like you could be all over the place with a movie. <laughs> you could have it be. It's like a, it's, a lot of it seems very. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't know if 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 the the feelings are in the right places or in the wrong places, but it's just interesting. Like say, for example, even the orchestration, 
where it's like he's stealing cars and, and like the music's like you should be like, yeah, he stole a freaking ambulance. This is great. Like, so it's, it's, it's that, that 80s. You can throw that 80s soundtrack behind anything and make it awesome. That, the music, I mean, the music has like a very, uh, like huge string sound. It's, and, it's bigger and, than the movie almost. And then like. When they insert it into the, the, the frame. But it's the movie. got like, it goes around twice, like very short. Like measures, and then it gets kind of cheesy eighties. Yeah, <laughs> but that that sound is like, as I was watching, I was like, it's from like they use it, like that's so familiar to me, and I've, and like familiar to me in that, like that specific like orchestral, uh, like that music must must be used for other shit. You think since then maybe though, or do yeah, you think prior yeah, to that? Like I don't know if it's they like, just realized you know crap. How, we we, we, we spent well, all you know this how, money. Like there was a period there where like like uh, the score to like uh, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves would get used for like NFL promos. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, or like Terminator uh, oh, Terminator Two. A lot of that ter- would get in Terminator there. music would get used for stuff. I feel like uh, Jurassic Park gets used a lot. What they or or aliens like. Uh, Jim uh, James Cameron's Aliens music because like it's like before they have the f- the, the finished m- uh, music for a movie if they release a teaser they'll use like other people's music so yeah, I feel yeah. like that like that Aliens music's used a lot Terminator 2's music you know, Jurassic Park so yeah yeah I feel like even Rocketeer would get used sometimes there yeah was a that's a really there. great movie Rocketeer uh, this is kind of in the the in the in the the realm of Rocketeer in a way I was reading. Uh, background on this, uh, it's based off a series of books, the Destroyer series, yeah. which sounds, they sound freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, this is right in my wheelhouse. The, 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 I looked, um, the authors who did this Destroyer series might may even have Clive Clusler beaten. They have like over 145 novels, uh, paperback pulps of the original series, then they kind of rebooted them with one of the original authors yeah, in yeah, the 2000s. Yeah, there was some kind of disagreement, and they they kind of split up and one of them just went on to keep writing it. And now there's about four or five of those books. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, you're getting into like 150s. Well, like he, he uh, of course, his name, uh, his name escapes me, but the, the one that continued, he, um, I think he went on and started like his own publishing company specifically to just publish uh, Destroyer books because yeah. like the, the rights like, you know, came back to him uh, solely and he just could, uh, continued publishing them on his own instead of working with a publisher because he had some kind of disagreements with the publisher. And I think they, he even published, to my recollection, I think he even published a unused script for a Destroyer movie that he and the original guy had written years and years and years ago that never, that never got used, never got optioned or anything. So I feel like there is, like, you can probably find on Amazon if it's still in print or whatever. Like, he published the script that they wrote for a Destroyer movie. Yeah, they, they, they wrote, like, a manuscript in, like, 63, and then it didn't, the first book didn't get published till like, 71, and then since 71, they were just cranking them out. And that's why I say, like, I think he rivals, like, Clive Cluster, where Clive Cluster, Clusler will at least have, like, different characters. Dirk, uh, what's his face? Uh, Dirk Pitt or whatever series. But this is just Remo, and there's 145. And that's great. I mean, if you're... If you're a fan of like uh, episodic or like just uh, serial novels, it's like you know, yeah. it's, it's more than I, I know. I'm and sure I, there's other stuff out there, but it's just you know you, that's probably more than you know like Harky Perot, Sherlock Holmes, uh, yeah, yeah. any anybody you could think of, Jack Reacher. And I think Marvel even released a couple of uh, 
comics. Comics of it. Yeah, too. I, I know that they, they were in comic book form. But the reason I say it's in my real, real house is because, like, it's basically fantasy action. So you have these plots, uh, you know, especially in the books where he's fighting, like, Chinese vampires. He fights Fu Manchu. He fights an android that's a, that's a shape-shifting android, like, in the early 70s. That might even be the first book. So it's like, this is some pretty cool <laughs> stuff, you know? And it, and it also it, it relates back to, like... The, the, it was the, the, this cure organization was formed in the Kennedy administration, and the Kennedy administration wanted to uh, make sure it was quiet. And, and it's, it's, so it's just like all this Cold War stuff. So I'm like, this is great. And then you watch Remo, and it's like Remo Williams' adventure begins. It's like, this is it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> Dion Bias says of Remo Williams' adventure begins. It's weird. It's weird. Quote. It's, it's, it's just quote me. It's, 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 it's a weird movie because there's so much going on. Uh, did you see it when you were little? I did. I don't think I saw it at the theaters, but I remember seeing it on TV and stuff. And I remember, like, really being into it. You have to take into account 1985. 1984, Karate Kid had come out. Yeah. Um, and that's probably one of the... I would imagine one of the leading reasons this got kind of greenlit. Uh, well, I, as it, well, on the on the back of Karate Kid, um, Chuck Norris was living through, I wouldn't say his last, but he had certainly like peaked in the mid 80s so all that missing in actions yeah, yeah. And, and invasion usa so like his karate that, that was really big so i think our 80s was saturated with ninjas karate yeah, yeah. before we had the schwarzenegger action movies. plus as we were talking about before we started actually recording like 85 we were talking about how the pilot to uh knight rider came out in like 82 yeah 82 because it's a very similar plot <laughs> yeah it's yeah right yeah because in the, the plot of knight rider he he uh He's a security guard in a Las Vegas like uh, uh, casino. He, he follow. I think somebody robs a casino. He he follows him out to like the the desert, and I think the they're making like a trade off. They're switching cars, and that's where he's like freeze. They shoot him in the head. Luckily, f- uh, he had a metal plate in his head because the bullet bounces off his head, yeah. messes his head up, and then he yeah he he's found by the Night Corp Foundation. They uh, they give him plastic surgery. He wakes up as days of David Hasselhoff with a new voice. No, I think he has the same voice. The whole yeah, time. yeah. I remember that at the yeah. pilot. Uh, and then, like we were saying before, the Richard Basehart. But is then the, they, uh, they get Michael the Knight to. Well, yeah, the guy's dying. Richard Basehart's like, you know, I need you to carry on the, the Knight Foundation with me. But you know what I found also, which is funny, with. That's, listen, this movie, I thought this was a hilarious um, suspension of disbelief that this guy would, Remo, would be okay with it. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's like, no, fuck you. I don't want to go. Um, and, you know, maybe he has no family, but he's still well, like, I don't want to go kill. So it's been even Knight Rider. He's a he's a freaking security guard at a, <laughs> a Las Vegas <laughs> casino, you know, and they wake up. And they give him a whole new face. He's like dashing. He's sexy. He's freaking David Hasselhoff in the early 80s. He's really good looking. He's like six, seven. Who knows how tall they, he's a yeah. tall guy. So it's like, he, I know I don't want to drive around in your car. I want to go, and, you know, get some babes and go get my old job back. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the, you know, the pit boss. Well, I mean, this, in a nutshell, what happens at the beginning of this movie is he's like a New York City, or I guess he's a New Jersey police officer. In the books, he's Jersey, but in, in, in the, uh, he's like Newark. In the movie, he's like a Brooklyn precinct cop. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, he doesn't have a partner. No. It's just him and a squad, a squad car. car. He's, drinking, he's in a radio car. Drinking some coffee, eating some sugar babies. <laughs> and it's supposed to be, he's got a stash, Fred Ward, and it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be like, uh, he's supposed to look different. To me... He like, looks pretty fucking similar. Yeah, because like, afterward, they're like, we gave you plastic surgery, which basically was just him shaving off his mustache, and that's the plastic surgery they gave him, which I don't really understand. I mean, he got the crap beat out of him in the opening scene, and uh, we think he may die, 
but then he doesn't die. But it's hilarious that they actually, they're like, you know, we gave you, you know, extensive reconstructive surgery to make you turn into Fred Ward. And he's, he's like, like, who's this, like, in the mirror? Like, who's the, who's this? What did you do to me? I look, like, better looking. And all he did, all they did was just shave off his, like, sweet stash. I think he, they he gave him, like, a, a very slight prosthetic nose. At the beginning. In the beginning. Okay. But not enough that you would really no. know. Maybe the shadows as well. I don't know. Um, it's kind of fucked up because they're the ones that, Set him up. This was and, unc- and kill him. This was unclear to me because <laughs> he says that in the. I was trying to figure that out because he. Uh, movie starts off. He's in a squad car. He's just like on patrol. He's underneath. Like he's by the waterfront. He sees some guy uh, run by. Guy running by, chased by two other guys. He's like, oh hell. He's, he's going to ignore the first guy. Yeah, but then when the other two guys chase after him, he's like, oh shit! Now I got to get involved. Yeah, he goes and gets involved. There, be- two guys are beating one guy up. He throws the other guys against the wall. The guy that was getting beat up actually picks up something, hits him in the back, and they all start beating up a uh, good old Fred. Fred retaliates with some uh, pretty good kung fu, I guess, or karate. Yeah, I don't know if it's even that. It's just uh, the street, the street. Yeah, fighting. he's just kind of uh, you know just he, brawling, uh, street brawling. He he for a, for a New York City police officer, he does some pretty dirty fighting. He beats the living piss out of all three of these guys, and it's like Jesus. You would think you know he's like the guys on the ground. He's like kicking them in the side. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, talk about police brutality. Well, I mean, it's one man against three. I mean, you got to make sure they're down. Yeah. <laughs> and then he leaves them. He doesn't even cuff them. Because he doesn't like, have a partner for some <laughs> reason. Well, you know, there was budget cuts. Who knew what was happening in New York at the time? You know, so everybody had their own radio car, you know. Um, so in, he beats the tar out of them, and they're, like, unconscious or semi-conscious. And he's like, stay here. He doesn't even cuff any of them. Yeah, yeah. He's goes, like, don't move. <laughs> <laughs> goes back to his squad car to radio it in. Gets but his he's coffee. Taking a sweet, yeah, yeah, he's taking a sweet time. He takes, starts drinking his coffee again. Although he's got, like, his, you know, he's, his, his, he's probably got a black eye by now. His lips broke he's he's bleeding he's like oh, i'm gonna still have some of this coffee and then this pretty sweet uh it looks like they they used it like a surplus out of the warriors they got this like uh armored car that's been like turned into some sort of uh gang van or whatever it hits him in the back and starts pushing him off now i couldn't tell through the window you see there's a guy sitting shotgun but all i could see was just the um inspector gadget trench coat the hat and glasses and it looked like a mustache so i thought it was a caucasian no, I was like, it's I thought the, it was, it's I, the black guy. Yeah, but it was, it was that, that, that's when he showed up. I was like, was he the one sitting in this? You know? So they, they pushed the car off. Into and, the water. But as soon as they, they, they first tapped the car, Fred Ward hits his head on the windshield, which I think is kind of um, serendipity for them because he could have just got out of the car and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? But he whacks his head, and it, 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 he cracks the windshield, gets a big old uh, uh, a cut on his head, he starts bleeding, he's delirious. They push him into the water, the car sinks, we think Fred's dead. Then all of a sudden there's scuba divers Yeah, there. we see scuba, like the first, last thing he sees before he passes out is he sees scuba divers with lights coming out. Which was kind of even unclear Fade as well, because they were going to like, le- they were going like frame right to frame left. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't know that was a POV that was I think it was supposed to, to be his POV. You know, and then you're right, fade to black. He wakes up and like there's a in woman the shaving his mustache off, and that's like yeah. the extent of his plastic surgery. And then this black guy comes in. Yeah, um, yeah. Who... He he then says, "Oh, you you're the ones who who called me to that." He says something, yeah, yeah. and is that even to allude to that even the three guys that he beat yeah, the tar yeah. out of were all in on it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So do you think that was almost like a uh, initiation? A total setup. I mean, apparently he was like a, a Vietnam era like yeah. uh, military guy, like a Green Beret or Fred something. Ward, and now he's like uh, uh, he's a New York City cop, and apparently um, not a crooked one. And apparently, I, they, there's indicate they like kind of indicate that there's a lot of corruption in the legal system. 
Yeah. And so that he was like handpicked because of his military background and the fact that he's like a good dude. <laughs> yeah, they have this computer, and I guess out of everyone in the in the country, they 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 narrowed it down to Fred Ward. He's the yeah. one that's going to be most um, uh, receptive to to their to their. Uh, but it's kind of like you're either doing this or you're going to be really dead. Well, they they do kind of tell him that, like you, <laughs> like <laughs> you either say yes to becoming to to, to fake because then uh, becoming like there a is a funeral in between. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we think he's everybody dead. thinks he's dead with yeah. military honors. He went down fighting as a hero, true. Uh, you know, blue blood, uh, New York and uh, NYPD. Everyone's like crying at the funeral. So he must have had some family and some other cops there. And then he wakes up. He wakes up in the hospital. Yeah. And, and he's basically like, given like this ultimatum, which is like. You're either going to be like an assassin, yeah, for this cure for our like secret government agency that only four people know about. Uh, apparently, only four people know about, including the president. Um, or you're gonna, or we're gonna kill you <laughs> because you're already dead, as far as everybody else is concerned. And and then uh, McCleary, who's the black guy, he's 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 the he's the, the envoy that say this is what's going to happen. So he he was the guy at the beginning that that. He almost looked like Asian to me, the guy in the uh, in, in the in the armored car. Maybe I think the window was dirty, or there was it wasn't raining. I could tell, but I okay. don't remember. I don't know why. And I had a pretty <laughs> sweet because of you, the copy we watched. It was a really sweet copy. I mean, because this isn't available on Netflix. You can't get this. Yeah, yeah. And even the DVD is like out of print, so it's really expensive. Yeah, there was t- I hear these talks online about there being a Blu-ray, but I could not find like evidence that it actually exists well there it's on youtube but it's a really mucked up copy because they made it foggy and they tried to slow it down so youtube i guess wouldn't like flag uh, copywriting issues so yeah. I, I was like we can't watch that and luckily yeah, you yeah. had this great it was a really pristine like surround sound copy yeah, yeah, it's nice. like really nice copy. really like high resolution been as well waiting, been hey, sitting on that one waiting to watch yeah that, it. that was that you know so um so basically that's the, the gist of it and then they're like he agrees but that's what i'm saying it's funny because it's like it's like uh michael knight same thing it's like you know will you take on this big burden and like, he's like sure or <laughs> yeah right yeah and I, i'm sure there's that's the whole slew of it's like six million dollar man you could have died but we, we reconstructed you now it's your obligation now you to. we own you <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what lee majors and and david hasselhoff they're put into these situations where it's like you you know i you know what would be a great p- pilot yeah i shouldn't even say <laughs> it on it but the guy says no no <laughs> and then he's on the run and it becomes like the fugitive well much more like like our it's like our we're getting back Co- to copyright dm by you yeah it, it, getting back to the uh to, to the trial of the Incredible Hulk, that was one of the fathers, I think, of uh, you know the guy in the run or the guy from town to town, the Richard yeah, Kimball. Yeah. Um, so before we get any farther, uh, I hadn't seen it as a kid. I seemed like I always knew about it, especially if you would uh, like really search the video store racks. That uh, iconic uh, tr- uh, cover, yeah, yeah, is very iconic. I mean, it's like up there with like I, if I can think of like offhand three or four of the most iconic early '80s. Uh, Pathmark grocery store video section covers. Pathmark is a uh, grocery store in the uh, northeast area. You know, you go in there when you were really little, our age. You know, in the corner uh, to the right, like by the baking section, there'd be like a little <laughs> area where you can rent videos. Rent videos yeah. So you'd have just the, I think it, even the tapes weren't there. They just had like the boxes. So you pick the box up. And I remember like Escape from New York was a really fucked up cover because you had like the Statue of Liberty's head in the street and like yeah. Snake Plissken's running it's home. It's all like, Statue the ones that really all made Statue of Liberty. <laughs> the ones that really made an impact on you were all Statue of uh, Liberty Remo covers. as well. And then Day of the Dead was pretty messed up because Day of the Dead's cover was like, uh, you know, I think it was Bub on the cover. And if you turned it around, it's like zombies walking down like it looked like the like a court house steps and then there was like the scene where those zombies are ripping out the eyeballs of that yeah, soldier yeah. from all sides so it's like 
You knew you weren't writing that one. <laughs> yeah, that was like XXX, and it's yeah, like, yeah. Jesus, this will give me nightmares for a year. But so, this one is like a sketch. It's like a drawing of Remo Williams like hanging off of the Empire State Building. No, the uh, Statue of Liberty. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, and, it's not, and, it's, and it's off her, like, her crown. Yeah, he's yeah. like hanging. He's got like two fingers, and he's hanging off her crown. And then, in the perspective, as you could see, it's very much what's the what's the Hitchcock movie? Is it Saboteur? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Or no, a Shadow of a Doubt, maybe? No, it's not Shadow of a Doubt. It's either uh, it might be Saboteur. You know, where at the end of it, you know, he, he falls. It's, it's yeah, very much like off that the, off the torch. But he's like he's looking down, and like you could see like the perspective of like you know there's no and it, and you know the whole scene that revolves around the Statue of Liberty in this movie is pretty. Impressive. It's pretty good. Well, that that's but <laughs> that was going to be my one my first point about this movie is like for a movie that is that's all about like action and martial arts kind of definitely like an action movie and for and for for a movie that has like you said like a really awesome action set piece which is the statue of liberty scene like that opening fight scene where he's fighting those two guys fucking horrible (laughs) You mean horrible, like, like it's literally just well, horrible. Like, not well done. No. Well, like, I, wonder, I wonder if that's supposed to, to contrast. Like, the guys that are hitting him are, like, you know, clearly actors that don't know how to throw a punch. I mean, he, Fred Ward looks okay. Like, when he's got the guy by the hair and he's, like, just hitting him in the face. Like, that looks pretty brutal. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, like, pretty, like, Jesus. But it's like, it's like the guys that are fighting him, like, didn't take stage combat <laughs> <laughs> and weren't trained very well now they say this is because the- like he, fred ward's really trying to sell like the getting kicked but it's like the kicks don't really look that brutal <laughs> and uh so it's like that was what was shocking to me because to be honest like i did see this movie when i was young i re- I, I always had like a fond place in my heart uh for it but to be honest like i only ever remembered like up to after the statue of liberty scene like i did I have no. I had no. I was. We were watching it. I had no recollection of oh, that third act of on the, <laughs> on the army base <laughs> of the army base stuff. Like I had, didn't remember that. Well, at to all. me, that's where the plot kind of falls apart. It's like I I had never seen it, and then I worked in a video store in the late '90s, early 2000s, and we had it there, the original video VHS. So, you know, when I work in a morning, you know, no one would come in. I would just throw on stuff to just you know, try to pass the day away. So I'd look around and I'd say, oh, I never saw this. So I throw that on. And I remember all that crazy stuff of his training, his martial arts, which we haven't got to yet. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, I just don't even, I don't even remember the uh, Statue of Liberty scene. So maybe like my shift was over and I left. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, I remember it being like, oh, this is pretty cool. Okay, this, this is a movie I like. And then I watched it with you and it's just like, wow, this is just, this is, you could see where it was mired, where the adventure it really tried to begin, but it just, I didn't know where it went. Yeah, it doesn't, quite hold up it's weird and then also i think we should bring up the director guy yeah, hamilton guy hamilton guy yeah. hamilton's uh, come to find out is you don't mess with guy hamilton they brought the writer in from james bond as well as guy hamilton the director who had directed goldfinger he directed um battle of britain not a james bond he directed diamonds of forever james bond live and let die james bond man with the golden gun james bond and then force ten Navarone, which is the sequel to uh yeah. guns of Navarone. well they say that like really what james bond became as a character was like this hybrid of uh, who's the guy that wrote it? I can't uh, uh, Ian Fleming. Ian Fleming and Guy Hamilton. Like it was like the like the the machismo of it was came from Guy Hamilton. They like they say that like eventually. Well, it started out. He you you. I think you even alluded to this. You told me that that like. Fleming always thought of, like, Cary Grant. Cary Grant, yeah. Right? And then maybe even David Niven. They're like, we can't cast David Niven. Maybe that's even why they cast David Niven in the, the spoof, Casino yeah, Royale. Yeah. 
But there was like there's all this talk about how like what we know of uh maybe it's not maybe it's not the machismo, but it's like maybe the class, I think. Like the classiness of James Bond comes out of like what Guy Hamilton brought to the character and it's kind of always they always kind of kept that. So Guy Hamilton was like a huge creative force. Even though he didn't he only directed a handful of the movies comparatively. But they're the good they're good ones. Yeah, they're good ones, but like that's like his stamp on his on the movies that he made is like to this day well, not so much the newer ones, but all through the Roger Moore and Mr. up to the Connery's. up to the Pierce Brosnan ones. Like that was very much uh you know, the character was very much part of, like, he was a really creative force behind what that character became in, in film. And it was a conscious effort by maybe Orion, because I know Orion was at the beginning of it, uh, defunct uh, now, they put out uh, Robocop as well, but they, they made a conscious effort to bring in the writer and Guy Hamilton because they wanted this to shoot off into a franchise, be a Bond, and they were calling it the the Blue Collar Man's yeah, James yeah. Bond. That's what Remo would be. And Remo isn't his real name. Uh, I didn't even realize this either, but they said that Remo, they got the name Remo Williams, um, McClary, the black guy, when he's walking in the hospital at the beginning, he looks at the back of the, uh, the what do you call bedpan. it? The bedpan. And he gets Remo Williams. He's like, a lot of thought went into that name. <laughs> it's like Williams from like Remo something, like Arkansas or something. Oh, like it that. says it on there. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like the brand and where it was where it was made. And I can't see that actually cuz cuz they make it I think a little more 80s tongue in cheek than I would think that the 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 source material would be. Yeah, I would I think mean, the source material would be slightly, you know, uh, a little more serious. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a comedic aspect to this movie. And uh this I I people are saying I'm not that well versed in Fred Ward's history but they said this is the one that really put him on the map but i know him prior uh he was in the the clint eastwood don siegel movie the last pairing of the both of them escape from alcatraz he played one of the angling brothers oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh eastwood plays frank morris and the frank morris and the two angling brothers were the three that uh supposedly escaped from alcatraz in night in 63 maybe is the uh the year or 60 and that's what escape from alcatraz is about so he's one of those guys and then i don't know what he did between that time and then eighty five hits, and he's he's in this, and, and you know, and this. Uh, well, I then he's in Tremors after that. Yeah, I know so that. See, he's in Tremors in the late eighties. I have a feeling uh, we're going to get an intern on this. I think he might be in the right stuff. Oh, I think you're right. He is in the right stuff. Yeah. Well, that's. Well, and then speaking of the right, can we stuff, get clarification on that, please? Uh, they say that Ed Harris even tried out for the role. They were going to cast Ed Harris here as a as Remo. So that would have been really interesting to have uh, to play our what if game. What if Ed Harris was Remo Williams? That I think that adventure. Fred Ward is in the right stuff. Thank you. So that's 1980, I think, right? Different right stuff. 83. 83. Uh, so can you imagine if Ed Harris played Remo? That would have been really cool. It would have been cool. It would have, I don't know, it would have been a very different. It would have been movie. a little more serious, yeah. <laughs> and I think Fred Ward is pretty good in it. I think both. Well, do you think it it, it goes back to my? <clears throat> I don't know if he's. I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I don't know if I don't know if he's. I think he's good in it. I don't know if he's cast well in well, it. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Do you think it goes into the? Uh, into my uh, theory of, uh, you know, if anyone doubts themselves, a leading man, <laughs> harkening back to Tom Atkins. <laughs> the the and, Tom Atkins effect? Yeah, the Tom Atkins syndrome or effect where from uh, when we, we brought up uh, Halloween 3 season of The Witch in that time, Tom Atkins was getting, like, tail left and right. Yeah, yeah, and, like, the late, and, like you know, the early you know, 80s freaking movies. The Fog, and, uh, you know, he's in a whole slew of these movies. And it's like, is Fred Ward falling on that? I mean, no, Fred Ward's more of a bruiser. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's he's, he's like, like a Charles Bronson type. Kinda. He very much is the Charles Bronson, like where he's 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 good looking in his own way in that like you know fist fu- bare knuckle yeah, boxing yeah. kind of a way. <laughs> <laughs> And much like, yeah, like yeah, yeah, much like Bronson was in yeah, the seventies, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, so it's like you know you could you could see him just taking on a whole bunch of ninjas. Um, I find it interesting that uh, well, I think we should mention like a big part of the story is that he goes into martial arts. Training. Well, that's what I was going to say yeah. that to bring Joel Gray into it, the actor yeah. Joel Gray. They have Joel Gray play a uh, Korean in it, Korean, a Korean from Koreatown, um, and that's I would think for the eighties that's kind of controversial, or maybe I would imagine so. Um, I would think that there'd be some sort of backlash, but you fi- you come to find out that he got a Golden Globe nomination for yeah, the role. Yeah, he got no- nominated, and the makeup was nominated for an Academy for Award, freaking Oscar. And I mean, it's a good. The, I mean, it's good makeup. It job. lost a mask. It's good. It's not great, but yeah, it's good. It's getting there. You know, I mean, it's better, I guess, than you see like with Boris Karloff as Fu Manchu. But, yeah, yeah. No, I know. think it's pretty good. I mean, can you put can you put it into perspective of what he looks like versus yeah, versus and you know, it's it's not. I don't feel like it's. It doesn't take you. I didn't for me anyway. It didn't take me like out of the story. No, Every time no. You see him on screen where you're like, look at that rubber face. Like, no, I, I mean, I, I think if you don't even tell somebody, they might not even notice that. Yeah, yeah. You know. So I mean, I thought it was pretty. Yeah. Pretty um, good. And he he fights the Shinanzu, the House of Shinanzu. It's this this fictional martial art which they that said, like all that spawns all the other martial arts. Yeah, it brought everything out, which is interesting because in the first couple uh, paperback novels, that's not mentioned. He's just like he's being he's caught like a taught Aikido, Judo, and maybe like Tai Chi or something, and then they finally uh, Shinanzu comes on later on once they solidify the character. And there was also uh, anecdotes where when they were casting the movie, there were people coming in saying that they were experts in Shinanzu. (laughs) (laughs) It's a freaking fictional martial art, so... Uh, uh, people will say anything for to get a job. So they 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 take uh, Fred Ward and they say you want to be a hitman. He's uh, for, uh, you want to be a contract killer. And he says they say he says fine, I agree. They bring him down to to the middle of nowhere, down to this old building facility. He passes this whole big mainframe of computers and he goes into this little office and we meet Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley, good old Wilford Brimley. The big tease from last from last episode. Yeah, I think Wilford <laughs> Brimley is now our. Um, our ceremonial, uh, our definitely out of all the movies we've done, he's been in the most of them. Yeah, he has, he has the and, most, and it has been unconsciously. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't like we were consciously searching out movies. All the times we brought these movies up, we're saying, "Hey, you want to do this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, look at that. Look at the correlation there. So it's not like we've been purposely trying to. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. We had been talking about doing Remo Williams, but I think the fact that we're doing them back to back is because of Wilford Brimley. Yeah, but we did, we had plan we did we had plans to do Remo Williams at some point. The brim. But the reason why it became the movie after Hard Target is because if you go back and listen to Hard Target, we kind of decide while we're recording <laughs> that episode that we're going to do this movie. We had to do it back to back. And Brimley's there. He he says uh, Reagan's in office in the '80s, so he says he, this. Uh, I've worked under this president and five others. So if you count back, we go back to JFK, which masses, matches up with the paperback. They say the JFK put together this uber secret organization, which only consists of like four or five people, and the president is supposed to have no knowledge of it because if and if if they are found out, everyone's supposed to kill themselves. To, to because and it's it's interesting. It's very patriotic. There, there. Uh, their organization. It's very pro USA. Hey, look, yeah, yeah. like you're saying, there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of dirty crap going on. We're trying to filter all that out. And but it's interesting. They they're not like bond. 
Bond, at the end of the day, has a license to kill. He is basically a glorified hitman. Yeah, but, yeah. but this cure agency really uh, doesn't mince any words. They say yeah, that yeah. you are, this is yeah. what you're, you know. So I can't really see Remo, I don't know, I, didn't, I haven't read the 150 books. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't think to me that Remo's going to go to, like, dinner parties or go undercover, like a Mission Impossible kind of a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess he could. I mean, I, I, there's, I bet you out of 150 novels, yeah, there's got to be, yeah, gotta be some of that. <laughs> some of that, you know. But it seems to me, because, I mean, even Brimley uh, has a great quote. He says, professional assassination, the highest form of public service. So right off the bat, they're like, we're going to be killing people. Yeah, you know? yeah. And don't, you know, and, and, and that's why I say, hopefully, one, Fred Ward's okay with it. Two, he doesn't have any moral conflict, which... There doesn't seem to be a lot of moral conflict about killing somebody in this movie. No, he's we'll, like, cool. We'll, but even with other characters, we'll get to it. We'll, I'll bring it up when we get close. So, we'll start talking about this other scene. Uh, he, but I, I think what's interesting is the McCleary. What's the black guy? The black guy's in McCleary. He has a good line that was like, you know, we're about basically, you know, the 11th commandment, which is like, thou shalt not get away with it. Yes. So like that's... I thought that was a very, like, kind of a powerful line and kind of really sums it up nicely. It's like all this shit's going down. Everybody's kind of forgotten about, like, morality, even in the government and everything. So, like, our job is to make sure that people don't get away with this kind of shit anymore. And the first thing they do is they're like, okay, you down? He's like, I'm down. They're going to send him out on an assassination. And it's, and it's brought into my mind where they pull up, to, like, he's on the fifth floor. Here's the gun. Go get him. And, then, and at this point... Uh, Fred Ward's very trustworthy. Yeah, he's for all right. we know, for all we know, this could be just you know. Here's the key. Yeah, <laughs> this could be like he uh, does warn him, like you know, don't beat around the bush, like because this guy is a he's a piece of. Well, I'm surprised Fred Ward's like you know doesn't even say like how do you want it? Do you want it dirty? Do you want to look yeah. like? Do you want to look like an accent? What does he look like? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who am I? You know, if it's if it's an, if it's a if it's a you know if it's an apartment <laughs> building, who am I? Am I killing an old lady or child? But, uh, but I think he does say, like, he deserves it or whatever. He <coughs> kind of lays yeah, it on yeah. that he is guilty of something. But, like I said, it seems 20 years, like, you know, ahead of time, that would be a plot for a movie where I thought I was in a government agency. <laughs> but they framed me and, and they were actually the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> Many fugitive oh, stories. Oh, see, there you go. Out. There's another one where it's like they, they work him out, but then he actually becomes a bad guy and he doesn't know he's killing. That's the, the, like the, the, the turning point halfway through. Oh, my God. You mean I, I haven't been working for the government? I've been working for... Uh, Freaking, uh, what's the bad guys from James Bond? Oh. Spectre? <laughs> <laughs> no! Uh, so they send him into this this place, and, uh, you know, he goes to the basement, and he meets uh, this Korean guy that's down there eating, and, he, and, he's, and then uh, he can't get out of the basement, and then he says, like, can you help me? And he goes, I'm the only one in the house. And then I like that he just takes his word for it, too. Well, he's like, okay, then I'm going to have to kill you. <laughs> if you're the only one here, I guess I'm here to kill you. You couldn't be protecting somebody that's upstairs. <laughs> And then this this uh, this fight ensues, and uh, you know, um, uh, his name is uh, Chun Ch- Chung Chun Chung Chun C H U I N Chun. Uh, he he dodges the bullets, and then he, he, then do- he, he dodges. It's like it's super nat- superhuman, but it's Mister Miyagi, he but turned up a couple of notches in Karate Kid Part Two in the in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I uh, mean, he can dodge bullets. I mean, it's superhuman. Yeah, he can dodge bullets, and he does a lot of pretty superhuman stuff later as, as the movie goes on. But first, he just dodges bullets. He makes uh, Fred Ward beat the crap out of himself to the point where yeah. he's, like, bloody bruised. Very Jackie Chan in a, kind of, in a way. Yeah, he's put his hands through window or, you know, all that. And then, then the McCleary, the black guy, comes in. Oh, because then we cut to him outside. He, he hears the scuffle, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so he knows what's happening. So we realize he's in on it. 
And then when he comes in, he's like, uh, you know, you, this is your new pupil. You're going to have to train him. And, um, and I don't know why uh, Joel Gray Chun is like, yeah, he has some potential. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, there's a, he's like, <laughs> there's, a glimmer <laughs> there's a glimmer of hope. In his eye or whatever. Even though he has like all these things, he fights like a baboon <laughs> with club feet. You know, there's a lot of kind of, uh, you know, descriptions that are very colorful about how. It's like, very it's very Charlie Chan-esque because he does say a couple of those like, uh, you know, uh, 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 what is it like a uh, big house like Mary, man married a fat woman hard to get around like he says like these anecdotes that's not Charlie Chan that's murder by death but it's like he says these weird things that are kind of like oh it's touching but then they start they embark on this training and it's very interesting you never see the training that gi- oh he gives him the Korean fingerboard to, yeah, to, to, yeah. to practice but aside from that you never see the training that gives him the key to the kingdom that makes him become a freaking bona fide Jedi because yeah, yeah. by the end of it, he is able to dodge bullets. He's able to walk on water because he walks on concrete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like little wet concrete. He's able to. Uh, what else is he able to do? Is he able to throw the the woo? Because uh, Chun is able to like throw some force at people and just turn them off. You know, he's like able to like he does some, like some Spock stuff. stuff. Yeah, there's like pressure point stuff that uh, Chun does. And it's uh, who? What do? <laughs> <laughs> what audience do you think they were aiming at about? here? Yeah, what, what, what are you talking? What, what audience do you think they were targeting here? Because I think that's like the big problem with the movie is that it it like it's trying. It's clearly a story that's adult. I mean, the guy's an assassin, um, but that's not you know James Bond for. I know, know but, but James, then they start bringing up like James Bond had a license to kill, but I don't think he was ever. I don't recall like that. That was his mission. It was. It was always to like de- debunk like whatever like plot is going on, like whatever plan by oh, the yeah, bad yeah. guys. But he's not like just going around specifically. Like you're going to go kill this guy and go kill that. Guy. Well, he kills people. He's allowed to kill. People, yeah, it seems. But he's not really. His mission isn't really to just go and assassinate people. At least most of the time. He seems here where his. Uh they don't necessarily glorify his... But I also don't think... I, I do think it, the James Bond movies, though they're fun, I think for the most part... I mean, you could argue some of the Roger Moore movies get a, get a little outlandish. But for the most part, I think that that's an adult series. Yeah, that kids just naturally appeal to, like the Indiana Jones, or it's just they're made for adults, but kids can enjoy them too. Where this movie... Like, it's, it seems like they're trying to... Like, okay, you can bring your kids to it, but then it's the 80s kind of mentality where they're, like, talking about, like... There are twenty three points of arousal for <laughs> yeah, yeah. a woman. A I've only this, like sex talk. Yeah, I've only had to get past seven, and it's like. And it, then I thought he did that to her at the end. Uh, Kate, we haven't mentioned yet. Kate Mall Mall Grew. Yeah, I thought that's what it was, but she just kind of passed out. Yeah, I, that's what I thought. She, he gave her an a- orgasm and turned her off. She she's uh, the, the Catherine from Star, Star Trek Voyager. She's a little minx in this. She's hot as balls. Yeah, yeah. running around. Um, and then the basic plot of the movie is there's a guy named Grove who was. I guess had military background, was in maybe Korea, the Korean War, was in Vietnam, had some dodgy pass, um, became a congressman or a senator, uh, had, was in trouble with the IRS, uh, never, all charges were dropped, nef- all this other nefarious stuff. He has this dummy corporation called Grove Industries. Grove Industries is making this thing called HARP, and HARP is supposed to be related to the Star Wars yeah, technology. Yeah, like satellite uh, thing. And if people... Uh, who don't know, in the 80s, there was something called the Star Wars uh, 
missile like weapon system unrelated to the Star Wars movies where yeah, it was just yeah. like uh, you know it was kind of like our the, the government's envisioning of satellites in the atmosphere so that if there were ever a nuclear war against Russia they would shoot them out of the sky with like lasers and I don't yeah yeah or something something that was gone the Star Wars per- program yeah the Star Wars program was I mean I don't remember like the gist of it I mean we were pretty young yeah but it was that it was supposed to I don't even know if it even got off the ground stop nuclear missiles from ever reaching them you know yeah get them in the US air. soil so um so this is playing off the back of that where this he's invented this satellite called harp no one's seen it so I think uh is 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 Wilfred Brimley telling him to go investigate or is he going to go kill Grove I don't know there's there's some confusion about the plot um because then when he, he's like, okay, uh, when your training's done, and then they ask that we have this whole... There's no even no montage of training. It's just him with the fingerboard, and he does yeah, all like, like we stuff. Yeah, like, we see... It seems we see, like, key points in the training, but we don't see how he got there. <laughs> you know, like, we see the balance, and then we see, like, the jogging on the beach, and that he can run without leaving footprints in the, the sand, and that becomes a later thing, which we mentioned earlier about the cement. Um so we see like key points in training, but we don't see like the in between. And it and it seems like, you know, um, McCleary, the envoy asks him like, when will he be ready? And and, and Joel Gray is like, you know, fifteen years, maybe fourteen he's like, and a he's half. He's like he's like ahead of time. He's like, okay, when? He's like fifteen years. Maybe he's f- like fourteen and a half if I cut some corners. <laughs> but I will say that like, the how long do you think this takes though from 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 them <laughs> recruiting? Oh, him. I think it's just a couple of months. So in a couple of months, he's able to turn him into a Jedi. It's amazing. Yeah, but there's still so much more to. I, I know. And that's where the adventure began. The pilot, which we'll get into later, which takes up a year later. Yeah, you, know, you you watched the pilot. <laughs> I watched the pilot yeah. for the television show. Um, that's what you did because I was late getting over the house tonight. So yeah, you watched it without. <laughs> I was in prep. Yeah, I was waiting. Um, Joel Gray, I think funny. I think he gives a really good performance. As much as like there's part of it that's weird because it's very like non PC, uh, you know that he's a white guy, basically in yellow face for the entire movie, and a very like st- stereotype like performance to of like with language yeah. and like the way he like his accent and stuff. And uh, how I was giving these little bits of like knowledge and like these little trivia. I would say that he's I know, but even just like. Yeah, even every every aspect. Yeah, right. it, like his tropes, you know, his mannerisms, his delivery, how he talks. Yeah, like the accent is a little uh, offensive, <laughs> um, but it sounds right. No, but I mean it's accurate, but it's very playing like a very stereotype uh, Asian, and it's a white guy. Uh, who knows? Eighties, I guess that wasn't a big deal. I mean, to be honest, for me, it doesn't really bother me. But I can see it, there is like in this day and age, watching it now, it does feel a little weird. Uh, but I would say that he's great. He's really great in it. He's yeah. funny. The, most of the comedy comes from him. I mean, uh, their relationship is is funny also, and that becomes you can tell if if you watch on YouTube. There's a pi- like the pilot for a potential television show that that's the like that's the route it's going to go. It's going to be like the odd couple action show. That's funny. These two guys that live together who have totally different backgrounds, completely different, and they kind of bicker and, and fight about it. Um, so that relationship is kind of key and uh, for, the, for the movie. And I'd say Joel Gray is pretty great in it. 
Um, Did you see the little cameo by uh, Reginald Vell Johnson? At the yeah, beginning? there's a lot of there are a lot of people in it. Yeah, him, the Joe uh, Bolatino, the guy that's always talking like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's kind of a mustache guy with a mustache. He's although he, although movie. he's quite thin in this. Yeah, movie. and he's mustache. He's in a lot well. of the Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, he's in like uh, he's he's the other PI in Big Lebowski. He's I think he plays a big part in um, uh, Miller's Crossing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he shows up quite a bit. The uh, like the bad guy like muscle is. Uh, the bad guy in that Van Damme movie that we can never think of the name of, which is when Van Van Damme's in prison. Yeah. He's the bad guy. <laughs> Who is? The guy who's like the muscle with the diamond in the tooth. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was a little freaky looking. Yeah, yeah. Um, as well as, yeah, you're right. The, 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 there's a scene where they're at Coney Island, and the Coney Island carnival barker is uh, William Hinkley. Uh, Hickley. He's a guy, he's always like the old man. He's in Pritzy's Honor, and he's in, uh, I think, for everyone uh, who will know him, he's the grandpa who's in um, oh, yeah, yeah. Christmas Vacation, or you know, so he's at the toupee. He's in the episode of Tales from, Tales the, from the Crypt. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger directed. Yeah, Schwarzenegger directed. He gets the uh, the body, as well as I swear to God, I just had an intern look, and I, I don't see him accredited. I swear that uh, the real funny sub 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 subplot is that um, uh, Joel Gray Chun is obsessed with soaps, and one soap in particular. Yeah, and I swear. Uh, on the TV, a scene or two, it's Adam West as one of the doctors. Mm, I didn't notice. But yeah, it could be. But it, but he's not. I don't know why he wouldn't be billed in the credits. So that would mean he's not in it. But you know, at the time, what was Adam West doing in the mid eighties? <laughs> you know, and for all we know, that could have been a more stuff shot, and they just got rid of it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um. So. I don't know what we were talking about before I went off on the draw great tangent. Oh, we're talking about him. Just uh, we're talking about the pilot. Yeah, and but said that then, bef- and then before, before the pilot, <laughs> we were getting all derailed. I forgot. Well, talk about his training, and he doesn't show how he gets to how he gets, and then how Joel Gray played him. Joel Gray played him very, you know, as best as he could. It's funny, out of everything, the, the most, uh, at least uh, in hindsight, uh, the most controversial role is the one that gets the most uh, uh, noticed because he got a, glo- a Golden Globe yeah, and he yeah. got makeup uh, Oscar makeup nomination that lost a mask uh, of that year. Uh, and then he's trained. He's ready to go. We didn't know about Grove Industries. Uh, we have a scene where Fred Ward says he did almost all his own stunts in the movie. And he also claims to have done the stunt where they're in the movie there at Coney Island. Yeah. And he gets on the Wonder Wheel at Coney. And I don't think he did all of he's, it. He claims he did the stuff on the Wonder Wheel. there's a guy Wheel, on that, and that's that, that looks like he's really trying hard to hide his face. Oh, yeah. Well, well, he's saying... I would imagine that maybe he does something, you know. I it think seems like there is a lot of it where you can see that it's him. Yeah, he's strapped on like when he's on the chain. I don't know if I can do I have a, I have an aversion to heights. And you and I have both been on the Wonder Wheel. And that freaking thing in those is scary when you're in those inner cars. And, yeah, and, uh, move around and that is tall as well. Track and at the end of it, you tell me when he's when he he gets in, well, and it doesn't look like the guy in the long shots even has a wire. Yeah, yeah. He he climbs up at the top when 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 the the carriage it's like a closed carriage gets to the top he gets up on top of the roof and he's on top of there and it's like yeah, yeah. geez that's dangerous for the eighties you know <laughs> and then he comes well, around maybe not for the eighties yeah, <laughs> it's fine uh, but he, he he purports to do his stunts there and then we get to we get to I guess we can get to the the scene at the Statue of Liberty and it's uh, again it, it kind of confused me where uh, for some reason or another we. Uh, 
Chun has moved from Coney. They were doing stuff on the beach, and that's how we see him. He's running on this, the sand, and he's able to not leave a footprint. It's like, oh, look, he's mastered that almost. We go to the Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty at the time was covered in sta scaffolding. I remember this as a child, this because it was the centennial of the Statue of Liberty in 86. So they were getting it ready, or maybe it was 85. I think it was 86. They were getting it ready for its centennial, and I remember yeah. there's a big all. It was all over the – they had a big special on TV, and they had, like, every – uh, boat in the world was in New York Harbor for it, and it was fireworks. David, and Har David Copperfield was going to make it disappear. Yeah, he made it disappear. <laughs> uh, you know, because it, the, the, it's made out of what copper? No. Yeah, it's not copper. Yeah, so that's it was kind of that's why it's that kind of like bluish green. Yeah, color and the it was the, in the the hundred years of the salt water had been taking its toll on it, so they, they renovated the whole thing. So at the time when they filmed the movie in '84, maybe or '85, it was covered in scaffolding. So it yeah, was a yeah. great set piece to do what they end up doing. So. Yeah, <coughs> Chun and, and Remo were up there doing some sort of like uh, balance. Yeah, balancing. He's just gonna stand up there. Yeah, he I just think. and then he leaves. Chun, Chun leaves, and and it's funny that Chun has access everywhere because yeah, yeah. construction workers like, come on in. <laughs> yeah, sure. And you cut to the <laughs> what, guy you stand up there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, who cares? It's the eighties. And then you have the uh, the bad guy that you're saying with the, with the diamond tooth who is uh, under the guy Grove sends him out like get rid of this guy. Um, he he pays the construction people. That's I what I was going to. That was what I. That was it's what I was going to say. That like morality of like killing people. Well, no, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> now, did he, did he pay the construction people to look the other way and leave, and then he sent his own guys up, or did he pay people on the site to just go up and kill this guy? It's unclear because it looks like he just pays construction guys to go up there and to murder. go up there and kill like. Hey, yeah, sure, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, and then they, then they all turn. They're like, ah, oh, it's Miller. <laughs> you know, they seem like they're. He seems like he just gives a wad of cash to three construction guys that are working on it. Yeah. to just go up there and, and see that guy up there go kill him. <laughs> yeah, they have, really make him start, have an accident. They really start fucking with him, and it's like it's kind of scary. And it's but funny. then, but then later on, the guy says something like, "And this is for my f the, my friends of the Statue of Liberty." Like he knew the guy, so it's it's kind of unclear. But originally, that's what I was saying with like Fred when we were talking about when they tell ask Fred Ward to be an assassin. Like morality of people to kill people in this, it seems like very shady because they're just like if it does, it does seem like they're just like three random construction workers. Like yeah, okay, we'll go kill that guy. Um, and it's 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 so, and it's just it's just weird because then the. Uh, they, they all start like uh, a lot of it's ADR. This scene, the three of them, well, you know, where they put the dialogue in later, the guys' voices, the construction workers, and it all they they just sound like a cartoon mob. Yeah, all right, boys. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it's like it all yeah, sounds yeah. like it's like you know you get like in in some sort of Scooby Doo movie or something. Uh, and they try to kill him, and then they think they kill him, and then they're like, yeah, like you said, it's Miller time. And they're, they're going back down the elevator, and he goes down the scaffolding, and he's able to. You know, beat the crap out of them all, and then that's when he he runs in the. And then uh, there's like Palatino. the scene where he like he wraps like rope or chain around a guy's neck and throws him out. Yeah, but then it turns out to be his leg. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if like censors or they. Were yeah, like, yeah. They're like, yo, you can't do that. You can't be killing. <laughs> like you know. he is our hero. So like, okay, we got to shoot an insert. But he is a. Uh, we got to shoot an insert of a guy hanging. Like he's still like GI Joe. Like he parachuted. <laughs> Cobra parachuted out. They're he, fine. He is a. Uh, a what do you call it though? He is like. I a, mean, he is uh, an assassin, but I think that I think that's what I mean. That's what I was getting to. That's what we were talking about before. I was like, I feel like its biggest flaw is that like it can't figure out like what audience it's yeah. aiming for because it's like. If you're going to be like a straight up action movie and that this guy is an assassin, like you could have gone that way with it and it would have been fucking really cool. But then they're like, I think because they're like, well, you know, with Knight Rider and Karate Kid and stuff like maybe we should play this more towards a young audience. So there's a lot of comedy and some a little bit of goofiness 
And so, like, it ends up being, like, this weird middle ground and doesn't really commit to either one, like, fully property. And I think that's, like, the biggest flaw in the movie. Uh, and he ends up getting down, uh, and then the hitmen who pay the construction workers or substitute the construction workers realize they run after him. And then we have the old walking on wet cement trick. Yeah, yeah. Where he runs across wet cement, and then... <laughs> then here you go about the morality of construction workers in the 80s because <laughs> the, the next guy, the hitman that runs across the cement, he f- goes right in and we, we don't realize yeah. that it's Fred Fred Ward, Remo Williams just like runs across like it's nothing. Like it's sp- like a little splashes, but it's just yeah, like yeah. he really walks on water. Next guy runs, goes, falls right in at least yeah, to the like waist, like to the breast. It's like six feet. Dude. Yeah, and then the guy's like, oh, and then he gets swallowed up. And then it cuts to the to the deadpan of a construction worker who is – so flabbergasted that Fred Ward was able to walk over the construction, the wet cement, that he doesn't care. This other guy just drowns. Yeah, and he's <laughs> now completely engulfed in cement. Yeah, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so uh, taken by this guy running away. But uh, the, I would say, like, the, the uh, Statue of Liberty scene, most impressive thing about the whole movie. Uh, apparently it was shot, like, um, partially on the actual Statue of Liberty and partially they made like a bust a, a yeah, full-size bust from like the shoulders yeah, up to the up. torch um in mexico somewhere and they, it was really well done in terms of cutting back and forth uh very exciting i mean there's a lot of stuff where you you do see that it seems like it's fred ward is really just like hanging off a scaffolding like i know hundreds of so feet that shit air. is kind of like whoa and, it, and and it's interesting that they said that um they shot it at three different times they had they shot it in like the winter and then they shot I think in February in Mexico, then they had to go back in the summertime to get reshoots in New York City. So somebody was bitching like um, on IMDb, they say, well, this really goes to show you that you need storyboards and some preconceived like concept <laughs> of what your, your visualization so is turn out. Snooty. Yeah, and it's like, I didn't really notice. I, I mean, mean, yeah, it wouldn't occur to me. It didn't I occur thought, to me at all. I mean, I even mean, there were parts of it where I was like, oh, this looks like it's probably not the actual Statue of Liberty. That but that's they, it. They must have, like, shot this. You know, I thought they were, and shit. those were actually still cut pretty well. I, I thought, thought, yeah, I was like, you almost know, interchangeable. To the layman's eye. Because there's a lot of, even when they're using the inserts of him on what looks like the model because how they're shooting upward or the, the what they made of the Statue of Liberty. They, they, they insert shots that are looking down. So anytime something drops, they have the coverage of yeah, yeah. you know so y- you always have the uh for the audience the the reaction the, the realization of how f- high up you are and you know the dangers the perils of being there so i thought that whole sequence was great and i believed it was winter the whole time as well yeah yeah i you thought know? no it's great i mean i don't know how much we really need to get into like the remainder of the story because it does like it takes a long time for the movie to get like the actual plot line to get going and it's just, just and, a then, a and then the plot and then the plot is not that great it's silly i do like they send him to a, a warehouse to try to I don't know what he's doing him and him and uh, uh, McCleary McCleary go to a warehouse and you find out McCleary's got a fake arm yeah yeah and McCleary's gonna go look for like files to like implicate ro- like computer ro- files yeah to figure out like what the plan is and uh, there's a huge set piece with Fred Ward uh, and three Doberman Pinchers, which is f- which is funny. I thought that that for me <laughs> could have been aside from the Statue of Liberty thing. I thought it could have been the best part of the movie yeah, how yeah. they did this 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 scene with these three dogs because it's hilariously just if you're a dog lover and you think of intelligence on on dogs, there's no um, 
you know, they're not killing the dogs or anything, but it's just hilarious how he's trying to get away from these dogs and these dogs are figuring out ways yeah, to yeah. go after him. Like, you know, it's very cartoonish. But, yeah. But it's, it's fun. But it's done in such a way, it, like, it looks natural. Where, like, the, you know, the scene where, you know, he jumps to, like, the, the, the stair he, he, above and he's like, ah, you can't get me now, assholes. And they, they realize they can go up the stairs. Like, shit. So he, he's climbing higher and then two of them realize that there's, like, a, uh, a fire escape. So they jump up and use their both weight to bring it down. They, I mean, it's just, it's so funny how they're able to, like, chase after him. And I found that. If anything, if if you don't watch this for Joel Gray, Fred Ward, or the uh, Statue of Liberty, I think this is the yeah, dog. Yeah, it is. It is a funny sequence. And then it kind of ends where they go to this um, uh, Mount Mount Pleasant or something, where I guess it's in New York State because they're they've been in, around New York State the entire yeah, time, yeah. where it's an army testing facility. Also, if you look at the uh, trivia on this movie. They say it's really interesting if you look closely when Fred Ward and Kate Mulgrew were running around uh, on on this base. There's full size marijuana plants just <laughs> hanging out there. So you so they say you really want to know what the army is doing <laughs> at this base and you know so and, I, and they don't bring attention to it. So I yeah, guess it was yeah. just a mistake. And then you come to find out that the at this warehouse that the harp is a big fake. He, what, what Grove spoiler is doing alert. is yeah, spoiler. <laughs> Grove yeah. is just making dummy. He's getting the money to, to make a, uh, a some sort of satellite space program, but he's not. He's just embezzling it all, making something. Yeah. yeah. And then, and it's kind of like the uh, the bureaucracy of the government, where you don't even have to produce produce results. You can just say, I, I did this. Here's the documentation. Let me get funding for the second project, the, the sequel, and then you don't even have to realize where where's the first one. So, and yeah. that's kind of interesting. I like that. And then yeah. at the end. They have some sort of climax at the base where they, they realize they're going to just start, they arbitrarily just start trying to kill uh, her and him. And her yeah, There's a very James Bond set piece where they stuck them in like a, it looks like it was going to be some kind of like pressurized chamber, like they're going to pressurize it, but instead of that, it's just like gas. Yeah, they're just, they're substituting maybe the air with nitrous or something. Yeah, to, they're to going to kill them in a, in and a then kind of gas they, chamber. It's like, it's like the Scooby-Doo, they would have got away with it if that guy, it's weird because... The, the head guy, Grove, tells uh, his number two, make it look like an accident. Yeah, yeah. And then he's basically, he turns the stuff on. They're suffocating to death. We think it's over. And then he decides to go in there to start beating the crap <laughs> he's, out he's like, you know what? I'm going to put on a gas mask. I'm going to go in, and I'm just going to fuck with him. I'm going to beat Remo up a little bit. So then when he dies, he's going to have all this bruising all over him. But people are going to say it's either here nor there. But so he goes in there. He shouldn't have did that. Remo gets the upper hand, uses his diamond tooth to <laughs> cut a hole in what I would think would be like, five or six <laughs> inches of like you know industrial plastic yeah, yeah. and then Remo's able to break through it yeah, yeah jumps right through that son of a bitch because he's he is who he is and then you find out we left out when Joel Gray watches TV while uh, he's meditating like in a in a, uh, in a uh, you, you, know, you can't even call it Indian style anymore but he's got his his his, his uh, index fingers holding his whole body up yeah, yeah. So well, it's not even like quote unquote Indian style. It's like his feet are straight ahead. Oh yeah, okay. He's and he's like balancing. Ninety degree like angle. There's, you know, he's completely off the ground, just balanced by like his middle fingers, basically. Yeah, watching TV like it's nothing. And then at the end, does 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 the uh, does he float? Does somebody float at the end? He runs on water. Chun runs on water. Chun, yeah, they get back. We see that he runs on water, and that that uh, perplexes the. Um, Oh, because then you know you also realize the other the other subplot is that the reason why Grove is having all these problems is because they're making shoddy stuff. Yeah, they, they yeah. made it a machine gun. Other subplot about a machine gun yeah, that backfires, yeah. explodes in people's faces. And, and they're they're trying to, to get across that uh, he wants the government to bury the report that the that the machine guns are shot or are shoddily made. Yeah, and it's a little. Cause people the rest of the movie, like the whole like 
second half of the movie is uh, at the very least the third act is a little convoluted. Yeah, it's silly. And, and then they, they when they when Remo finally meets her, Mulgrew, Mulgrew, yeah. I keep saying it wrong. Uh, they it kind of becomes like a forties back and forth, and it, there's a little sexism there They're, where it's like shut up, girl, let the <laughs> let the guys handle it. And she's like, sure. She's kind of like goes along with it. Yeah, but which is kind of weird because her whole thing is that she's not you a, know a woman in a man's world, and she's tough and yeah, and she's and she makes that clear. So uh, and then there's a whole sequence. It's kind of unfulfilling for me when 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 Grove finally goes after Remo in a in a for for no apparent reason aside from I mean, there's a scene where the, you know he starts chasing him in a jeep, and then he. He's shooting like they start sh- arbitrarily just shooting at him, and they're not and they're missing uh, when he when he's going down on the log. Yeah, yeah. So For he, some reason, there's they're moving lumber up on the <laughs> army base. So Remo jumps on that because they're 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 haul, hauling logs down a uh, a mountain by like a chain system, like a over overhead, yeah, almost like a like a ski lift type. System. Yeah. So Remo jumps on one of the logs. Our 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 bad guy sees him and he's like, "Shoot at him, soldier." Soldier's like, I don't know. And then he like, he knocks the soldier out and it's like, geez, man, he, he unloads his gun. He's, he can't hit him. He, he get, grabs. Well, I the, think he knows that Remo knows that this is all scam. Oh, I know. But everyone, what I mean is like, even the, the people with him are like going along with it. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, even okay, who are right. supposed to be straight people. Well, they do set it up. It was like, this guy has stole, he, they tell the, the police, they tell, not the police, they tell the army, uh, you know, the soldiers that he's on base. They've stolen like government secrets and that you should, and that he's dangerous and you should shoot on site. Yeah. You know, that he's going to sell like these government secrets to like, you know, Russia or whatever. Well, he can't hit him with the gun, the rifle. So he jumps in back and he, he takes the, the M's, the, the I don't know, M60, or whatever that's, that's straddled the M8, uh, whatever to, to the Jeep. And he starts shooting. And if you look, it's the over the shoulder. The gun isn't firing. <laughs> but it's just you have the and then you have the, you have the squibs going off on the log. So, like you're right. There's the, a the big conclusion. Um, the the Remo kills the bad guys, and it's it's very weird the editing at this part because Remo kills the bad guys on the side of the mountain. The jeep blows up. He's walking away, and it cuts to Wilford Brimley in his office, and he can watch everything on his computer. He's able to watch TV. He's able to yeah, watch Senate I hearings. I do want to talk more about Wilford Brimley he, and this computer before he's, we he's wrap watching it up. the uh, he's watching the, uh, the he's listening to the radio. But what I mean is just the timeline. Remo's walking away from the thing, just blown up. It cuts to Wilford Ridley in his office saying, um, uh, Senator Grove and two other men accidentally died at some sort of thing. At, well, at, yeah, like, and then it cuts back to, you know, um, to, to Remo still finishing his walk. You know? <laughs> so it's like, that is that supposed to be ahead of time? Like, they haven't yeah, even yeah. found the... It just happened. You know, he's still smoldering. He could be still alive. And Wilford Ridley's already hearing about, like, a radio report of it because <laughs> he turns it off on the radio. So... Um, then lastly, he finally says his name. He says, "Call me Remo, Remo Williams, whatever." It's the first yeah. time I think in the in the um, in the story he says his name at the very end. Lastly, before we get to to, to Brimley, I, I want to make a fine point. It's weird. Uh, the military and the army in the '80s. You ever see just? It seems to me the army and the FBI always played this really weird way in, in episodic television. If it's the A Team, if it's Knight Rider, if it's MacGyver, if it's any kind of show that it has the army and in the movies where it's just like dudes and you can clearly tell it just nowadays to me the military looks like the military back in the 80s it just looked like dudes and you know just they just got the uniform that day yeah they all seem like like army reserve guys they don't know what's going on i mean you look at everything like daryl or uh what's what's the the one uh, do you want to play a game what's the name Uh, of war games war games all those movies it's just eight you can always tell 80s army they're always just dudes who don't know anything they're just you know they're just uh 
almost like uh, ants in a hive. They're, they're very uh, like Borg. No one questions <laughs> authority. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then I say about the FBI in, in the episodic television the 80s, they're all wearing the same suits, those really bad like blazers with the, uh, sh- the elbow patch, you know. So it's, it's very funny how the Army was perceived in the 80s and the FBI and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and I, would, I would agree that the Army's perceived in a very television way especially in this movie yeah. like this could have been like the a-team or something yeah, it's just <laughs> you know? so it's just i i noticed that again that like that happens a lot in the 80s especially i don't know if it's a suffering thing but it's just almost like a cliche oh it's those yeah, army yeah. guys again you know and uh, you know they're, they're and it's like they're using like machine guns that clearly aren't regulation <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> it's just whatever they can get their hands on that day yeah. for, for shooting you know or they're yeah, in like yeah. a world war ii surplus jeep which you know, it's defunct now. So, uh, Brimley, yeah, he has a really my, weird... Yeah, my only thing about Brimley is, like, clearly they shot him in, like, three days. <laughs> one day, maybe. And doesn't he look older in this movie than he does in our last? In, in, in tar- Hard Target. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he's really aging. Hard Target, he seems like he's doing all that stuff himself. Yeah, that yeah. That stunt work. In this movie, I would say he's over the hill. Because he never leaves that office. He's always just sitting in that office. Wicked with, stash. Playing with the computer. Crazy long, like, bushy mustache. And I just think it's funny, like... You know, the the computer the, like that's connected to all the giant computers you saw downstairs. And it's like he can watch literally anything. There's like a scene. He's watching. What, what's the bad guy's name? Uh, Grove. He's watching the Senate hearing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like and then he's watching like Grove, like doing a speech out front of like the White House or something. And then it's like Grove gets into his car and we see like. From inside the car, <laughs> Grove getting like getting in. It's like, man, that computer's got he's got cameras it. everywhere, man. It's it's he's got GoPros everywhere, and uh, it, you know, and it's also interesting in that they really tried to uh, get past that eighties. I thought it was interesting that they tried to get past that like that eighties like DOS screen, you know, print on the screen. It was like more television. It was more like television. Well, it's like they're almost trying. It's like the internet of the future, I guess. It's yeah. almost like they're really they trying to, to make it seem like, a, you know, what it will be and not what computer technology is at the moment. Uh, what about the, the pilot now? Oh, so the pilot, I don't know if it's the, f- I don't know if it's the full pilot or if it is the full pilot. Because I remember when I was little watching the pilot. Yeah. I didn't know it was a pilot. I thought it was a TV movie. Um, which we talked a bit about TV movies with the trial of the Incredible Hulk, but um, but what's on YouTube is like a forty-eight minute pilot, uh, which would le- give credence to the fact that if it was, it would be like an hour-long episode with, with commercial. commercial breaks. It would probably be about an hour. Um, Roddy McDowell plays Chun in it. Yes, um, and, and again, in, in I wouldn't say blackface, in yeah. Asian, in yellow face, <laughs> in yellow face, not, makeup not nearly as good. Although the quality of the video itself is really poor, so it's hard to really tell. Um, I don't know who plays Rebo Williams in it. Somebody big. The I mean, opening credits does have footage of like the Liberty scene, Statue of Liberty scene. I wonder why Fred Ward. I remember he was getting all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, offers then, so he w- he wouldn't want to go and do the television series. And I would say that, it, like I said before, it is very much. Like, they feel it seems like they're gonna play it up as a uh, as more of like an odd couple type. It's very funny because the apartment looks very similar. Obviously not the same, but very similar except for they don't live like in the middle of New York City now. They live like on like the Malibu Beach. <laughs> oh, so they, they, maybe they relocated over there. It's like it takes place a year later. Uh, he's still kind of in training. Uh, somebody else is playing the Wilford Brimley part. Um, 
there's a little bit of a MacGyver aspect to it. There's a little bit of like ingenuity uh, over over like uh, you know action in terms of like fighting and stuff. But I would say that the the action is pretty good. I would say the action in it in, in you know other than the huge set pieces of like the Statue of Liberty and stuff is on par with the actual movie because uh, I don't think for the most part. A lot, like I said earlier, I don't think a lot of what goes on in the movie action-wise is that kind of impressive other than the Statue of Liberty scene. Um, well, it seems like they cast him younger. They kind of cast him into the mold of what they had going on, like the Richard Dean Anderson. Yeah, or, you it's, know, he's like more a, handsome. With more, more hair on More top. traditionally handsome, more like... Uh, 80s hair. 80s, like, mullety hair. Um, there is, like... You, get a little more of a sense of how much Chun likes him in the pilot uh, because spoiler alert, he gets killed. Oh no. But then then doesn't end up actually dying. This it's the pilot is, is odd. And uh, there's a lot of like exposition to try to like get you back to the case. You hadn't seen the movie. Um, A lot of lines from the movie, a lot of, Remo Williams still trying to learn like the twenty six steps to like satisfy a woman or whatever. <laughs> from Even John. on an ABC pilot, yeah. Um, Jeffrey Meek played um, the uh, uh, Remo, Remo in, in the uh, in the pilot. Uh, it's okay. I mean, I don't think it's any worse than a lot of the eighties shows of that type. I find it odd that uh, you know a movie wouldn't do well. You know, didn't didn't perform well at the box office, and then decided, oh, well, instead of making another movie, why don't we do a t- television series? Which for a while there, that was actually uh, there was the intention of doing that with Big Trouble in Little China too, because it didn't do so well in the box office that they thought maybe they could do a TV movie of Big Trouble in Little China. Maybe they'd have to, success. but it never got. Produced. But then I don't think they ever actually even. Shot this is it. where this even got this got done aired. I wonder maybe they did it at the time. Maybe they, they, they didn't get the box office receipts yet. I don't know. I mean, I read online. I don't this know is like 87 or 88 is the pilot. So it's a couple. It's like, <laughs> hey, remember? And the other thing is like Dick Clark is the executive That's producer. the thing I wanted to ask you because Dick Clark, it's a Dick Clark production. Dick Clark, somebody else production on the movie. And I was like, is it the D- Dick Clark we know and love? Yeah, it is it, Dick Clark I think we it know is. And, and he's also the executive producer of the television show. So Dick Clark's probably maybe a huge destroyer of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, unless it was like, you know, they, they, they came to him with this, with this property. And he's like, sure. And then after him not actually being able to, uh, you know, even if the movie did crap in the box office like still we're gonna try to do it and then they, they three years later they're still able to sell a pilot yeah, obviously somebody probably dick clark still owned the the property and was like well instead of it sitting here let's try to do something else with it uh and it seems like it would have been a great 80s it reminds me you remember in the late 80s the short-lived um little chinese boy who was like a karate artist and he was paired up with like a cop <laughs> Remember that? There's yeah, a, I do. I do remember. I don't that. know. I don't know anything about it. That 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 actor, the Chinese, that showed up in like a season two of MacGyver, kind of same thing where MacGyver's like fighting Chinese. Uh, very weird. Yeah, very, uh, it was a weird time. And um, uh, oh Jesus, I lost my train of thought after the, the Chinese kid and and uh, <laughs> in the late eighties. Um, <laughs> oh, the urban legend I read, which I don't know, because because you may have you you might remember differently, but I read also online lastly that. Um, the night the pilot aired, Ronald Reagan was giving a presidential speech, and instead of uh, which was taken by all the major networks, and instead of just preempting, uh, well, they preempted this, but instead of then playing this afterward, they didn't want to ruin the nine o'clock movie 
or whatever was on. So they just took this in progress. So people say that only 15 minutes of the pilot ever was shown originally the first time, which yeah, leads yeah. to two, two problems with that, which it sounds like it could have happened, and maybe that's the reason why this failed. But the first problem with that is, one, you remember watching the whole thing. I do remember seeing it, And yeah. then the second thing is, how the heck is it on YouTube with the ABC logos if this happened? Yeah, with, like, the commercial. That doesn't have, like, the actual commercials, but has, like, where the commercial breaks would be. And, and it has, like, that, that ABC kind of, yeah. like, uh, And at know, the end of the credits, caption. it's like, and now, st you know, stay tuned as the ABC News thing. Talk about, you know, some kind of political so thing. I, and I can't. And there's no mention of that, like. Now, now we're joining it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I can't see and there's them. no mention of, like, that there, there's some kind of ABC News show on Next. Yeah. And it doesn't mention that, like, Reagan had a, done a speech. You know what I mean? And if Reagan did a speech, I can't see. I, I would think all the regional news show people would take it. It wouldn't be some people saying, yeah, yeah, screw yeah. it. We're not going to take the president. We're going to stay with Remo. You know? Uh, and then they purport that that was the only time it aired until, like, 2006 or seven. It finally aired, like, like on Epic, Like Encore. Encore, the, Encore the would air it. I don't know. So... Uh, I don't know how much more we can talk about Remo. I'm sure we could talk a shitload more about the Destroyer paperbacks if we ever get to <laughs> reading them. Um, I would say there's been talks over the last couple yeah. of years of doing new adaptations of it. Uh, by, directed by Shane Black as Most well? Most recently, is the report is like as of like 2014 that Shane Black is going to direct. And, and I heard uh, producers of, uh, of Dark Knight and something else. Big. Well, that was what I heard originally was like a few years ago. Like, they said that they were going to do it. And then I heard that, like, last year, Sony announced that uh, Shane Black was going to direct it. So I don't know if it's the same project, but, the sa like, those producers are producing the Shane Black movie, or the, those producers had an idea to do it, and then it didn't go through, and now Sony's doing it with Shane Black. Who knows? What did you think? How many, because uh, we forget, we got so carried away on the two times ago on the trial of the Carnival Hulk, we didn't even do this. <laughs> we didn't even so do so our Mega Joe sleepover stuff. Uh, what, what, what are your Mega Joe Colors? One out of five. Or one out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's always one, it's one out of, we got to keep I always give you the things. option, though. I always give you the option. I w two? Two, yeah. I was going to say out of Mega, uh, your Mega Joe Colors sleepover stall. <laughs> Me, I give uh, probably two, 2.5 sleepover yeah, stars. Yeah, two, two and a half. Three solid. It's... Uh, maybe it's leaning towards it a three. You know, it's, it's a solid 2.5. It's a shame. It's just a lot of it just doesn't hold up. And uh, convoluted plot. It's a little convoluted. The plot's not that you know. Of when you get to the actual, the actual plot yeah, the past the training, like the whole like him getting trained. Um, when you actually get it rolling, it's like not that great. And it's there's not a, like a huge great payoff to it. Not at all. Um, I would say like, but the first half of the movie I think is pretty fun. Well, and see, it seems like they had that, and then they're like, shit, what are we going to do with them now? <laughs> you know, and they wanted the climax to be at the Statue of Liberty, and they realized they couldn't, and they're yeah, like, like, oh, oh shit, you know, like, we, we need to have a third act. We're only, like, 45 minutes into the movie. Into we need to finish plot. this. Oh, we'll make up a fake mountain range where it's actually a pot farm. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, again, ballsy that they've surely, like, re at the venture's beginning. And yeah, then, and then unfortunately the adventure the ended. adventure kind of ended. Well, it kind of went on for a TV. It, it kind of sputtered into a television, but they should have uh, made it like the TV should have been like the adventure continues. Yeah, you know, like I said, this is completely in my real house. I love movies like this. I, I guess technically you could put this in the same realm as like The Rocketeer or Indiana Jones, where it's fantastical well, meets adventure. Like, okay, this is eighty five. Like, what was the other action? You know, like when did like Commando? Commando's eighty five. 
Yeah. Commandos 85. You have, uh, I think, maybe even Invasion USA is 85. What, what year is Cobra? Oh, I don't know. Cobra. No, Rambo 2 is 85, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have, like, it's like really pro Reagan. You know, people always talk about, you know, Reagan 80s, pro America. So it's, you got some. Whereas this one's kind of. Well, even Rambo 2 is not. I was going to say this one's kind of not, though. You well, know. I mean, it, to, it, it's hard. Cause, it is cause because this, but this one is like the, our government is corrupt. Yeah. Well, but but you have. <laughs> but the, I guess it's, the, this the, is the under patriots. The, this this is under you know they're 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 only you know they're they're working under Reagan. So yeah, they're I guess working it is to, very pro Reagan. You know, because they're I'm not that that's a bad thing at all. Just you're just saying that that was the time like a lot of. But people, when you compare this to those other movies, like this is those other movies light. Yeah, very you know light. L I T E. Yeah, very much so. Almost like he didn't know what what it wanted. Yeah, like it was, it was appealing to children, and they're like, eh. It was like they know? just couldn't decide what its main. Could have been a great was. TV movie. It would have been an awesome. You TV know, movie. I mean, I, I bet you it wouldn't have nearly the much of the budget. Which I don't know what that would say about it then. But so anyway. yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll see you next time. Please let us know what you think. Uh, Shoot us a, uh, a Twitter. Uh, you can go on our our site and leave us a message. You can email us. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on iTunes. We're on Podroid. We're on uh, Twitter. Did I say that already? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, let's see. We, uh, we're everywhere. Yeah, Blake and I out. do uh, <laughs> the sidecast on uh, podwits.com. We're at this is Saturday Sleepovers at podwits.com. Uh, we are on Twitter at, at sat sleepovers. Uh, Blake, tell them where you could find yourself. Music. You can uh, play the blues, jbblakeblues.com. Yeah. Links to them where you can get my album or see me play around here in New York City. Yeah, so please like us, uh, tell friends about us, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks with another uh, great Saturday Night Movie Sleepover. we got a lot of good stuff coming out this summer. Yeah, summer's going to be fun. Summer is going to be a summer, summer, summer blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> we, got, we got a lot of, we got some great horrors coming up. We got some, we got some great summer comedies coming up. Uh, you know, what do you do with a, uh, a guy that dies in your, your, your in, in, <laughs> In your possession, and you, you get a, 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 a couple days with them. What are you gonna do? Well, you know what? You just act like he didn't die. You know, that's one. And then we have uh, people fighting sharks. Summer's gonna be fun. This is gonna be our first summer. Yeah, for Saturday night movie, movie a proper Saturday night movie sleepover summer. Yeah, so it's gonna be summer extravaganza. <laughs> so please check us out. Keep listening. Uh, hope you're having a good time, and uh, uh, let us know what you like, don't like, and uh, uh, anything you want to hear. So until next time, later. later.